to a Hope 103.2 podcast. If you have a Bible handy, fantastic. If not, no problem. We're making our way slowly through the challenging little book of James, written by Jesus' own brother. This is part of the New Testament that is as confronting today as it was in the first century. We're up to James chapter 2, verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, James has been talking about favouring the rich at the expense of the poor, and now he offers a very sobering call to live in the light of God's coming judgment. Believers are to behave as those who are going to be judged according to the law that gives freedom. Now, as in James chapter 1, verse 25, this phrase, the law that gives freedom, refers to the stories and teachings of Jesus. This is God's new law for his new people. Our lives, in other words, are going to be tested against the life and teaching of Jesus, particularly his royal law to love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, James isn't saying that we can save ourselves from judgment just by being good. Back in chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, he's already made clear that new birth as a Christian is a gift from God. Here in the middle of chapter 2, though, James is just emphasizing that good works are the proof of that new birth. James's words are heavily influenced by the teaching of his brother Jesus. The idea that God's mercy belongs to those who show mercy comes straight out of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. See, mercy is so fundamental to God's nature, James and Jesus insist, that to refuse to show mercy to others is to prove that I don't actually know the mercy of God. But what has mercy got to do with favouring the rich and insulting the poor, which is what James has been talking about since the beginning of chapter 2? The answer is pretty simple. When used of our treatment of one another, the word mercy throughout the Bible very often means generosity. In fact, the default Old and New Testament phrase for almsgiving, or what we call charity, is literally the phrase to do mercy. You can see it for yourself in Matthew 6, 2, verse 3 and 4, Luke eleven forty one, Luke 12, 33, Acts 3, 2, and a whole bunch of others. The Good Samaritan, for example, is described simply as the one who had mercy. That's Luke 10.37. See, shaming the poor in favour of the rich, which is what some in James's audience were doing, is to withhold mercy from the needy. And it will result, says James, in God deciding to withhold his mercy from us at the judgment. Then comes James's final and dramatic statement in verse 13. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now, some interpreters take this to mean that despite our failure to be merciful toward others, God's mercy will still rescue us from judgment on the last day. This would effectively negate what James has just said in the previous verse about judgment being without mercy 
for those who have been unmerciful to others. More likely, I think, is that James means our mercy toward others will triumph over judgment. Now, this doesn't mean that human mercy achieves our salvation from judgment, because the word used here, to triumph, doesn't mean to gain a victory. It actually means to boast or rejoice in a victory. In fact, the same word is translated boast in James chapter 3, verse 14. What James is saying is simple but profound. On the day of judgment, mercy alone of all the virtues will be able to boast and rejoice that it is the merciful who are proven to be the people of God. They are the people spared from judgment. Human mercy, in other words, is the proof of who God's people are. As I've already said, James is just reiterating what his own brother said. Remember, Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's very important to remember that all of James's instructions assume God's gift of new life through his word. Chapter 1, verse 18. See, divine mercy precedes our mercy. We have to be very, very clear about that. But the thing is, God's mercy also inspires our mercy toward others. Once we've understood the riches of God's generosity toward us in Christ, how could we not seek to live lives of mercy toward those in need around us? This message must penetrate our hearts. James would settle for nothing less. Mercy is not simply an ethical matter. It's a theological matter. It's the evidence that we have rightly grasped the merciful character of God. Catherine Hamlin is an Australian Christian doctor who has worked among the poor of Ethiopia for over 40 years. She exemplifies the call to be merciful toward those in need. In 1959, she and her husband left for Africa with the aim of training midwives. The plan was to stay just a couple of years, but when they discovered how many young women suffer in that region from childbirth-related injuries, they gave up on the idea of a lucrative practice back here in Australia, and they dedicated their lives to serving women who were not only poor and sick, but who had become outcasts in their society. The Hamlins established a hospital bringing dignity to ruined lives curing women and training doctors to do the same work. When her husband died in 1974, you know, Catherine stayed on in Ethiopia. She's still there in her 80s, continuing the work. Now, of course, not all of us are going to be called to lives quite as radical as Catherine Hamlin. But the principle of active mercy toward the needy remains true for everyone who thinks of themselves as a follower of Jesus. All who have known the mercy of Christ must strive to reflect that mercy in whatever context they find themselves in. Let's pray that this would be the case. Merciful Lord, thank you for your grace toward me expressed in Jesus. Give me eyes to see the needs of others around me and a heart full of mercy toward them. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. Hope 103.2 Thanks for listening.